This is a crowd podcast. You're listening to Fucks Given with David Chambers from the Authentic Man podcast. Hello, curious fuckers. Hey, baby. Hey, Florence. You are looking Hello. glowing from your holiday. I swear oh, to ha- like the tan is real. I swear. Am I tan? Yeah, you look like browner. Well, browner than we fucking get in this country anyway. Jesus. <laughs> it was 35 degrees in Croatia. <sighs> Can you bring some of that over here, please? I tried and obviously it did not work. Did not work. Grey as fuck in London. You did not suck the right dicks, man. Where's you need to suck God's dick and be like, yo, Jesus, make it happen. I don't know why Jesus and God are the same person, but it's the way it is. It's just the way how are you, my lovely? What's going on? (laughs) I almost just left this recording earlier because I turned literally turned on the screen for the recording and I was like Guys, <laughs> like no, nope, can't do today. I was like, I was like, look at you not talking. My eyes were like filling up with tears. <laughs> oh, baby, why? What's going on? Tell us. Tell Auntie Reed and the curious fuckers. Well, I came back from Croatia yesterday, and the whole trip was like my healing holiday. I did a lot of like self reflection out there, yoga every morning, and Whoa. journaling, listening to podcasts. Um, had a lot of realizations about myself and my like relationships and um so just a lot of things fuck like an actual proactive I, boner here i was um and i was sad like i was carrying the grief like for the whole holiday and it was hard to you know it was hard i don't think i've ever been on a holiday in such a negative place before mm. so it was quite weird because you get somewhere and you're just like i should really be happy being here because I'm I look like got out of London during a pandemic um in this beautiful country with like beautiful lapping sea like everything was wonderful on a little like private island but then you're just sitting there like but I feel really sad still and I need to go on a little walk around the island and have a bit of a cry and like sit and look at a sunset and journal (laughs) like all this stuff and Um, you went with Mama Barkway as well yeah, I went with my mum, which was really good because I ended up doing some paddleboarding and I don't know what I would have done if no one took photos of me paddleboarding. <laughs> my they best were, experience of my life. They were great photos. Uh, Mama Barkway did well. <laughs> I, like, on Sunday experienced my first moment where I was like, I'm actually happy again. Like, I feel like I was feeling happiness for the first time since my breakup, mm. which was obviously a huge milestone huge. um in terms of the breakup stuff paddleboarding was the first time i'd ever done it and it was so good i loved it i feel like it's it such so a metaphor fun. as well it's just like again you being not so like like afraid of the sea and then being able mm. to go and do that on your own and like pushing yourself through yeah. this like fear of sea exactly like i think the breaking down of that fear and phobia was a yeah it was like a metaphor for like just pushing past the fear and like believing in myself to do anything else if I can do that if I can get over the fear of the sea and paddleboard in the middle of this like Croatian 
see <laughs> then I can do anything right yeah you can do anything have you taken anything away from this holiday like have there been any big realizations that you sort of clutched to and big big moments where you're like holy fucking shit my mind is blown yeah something that I brought up in my therapy session earlier today mm. which was like my first therapy session in two weeks oh my god intense Over no wonder two it's, weeks. it's our, like as soon as you've come back as well we've hit you with like all the come curious work you've had so therapy, much work guys like holiday <laughs> blues like the reality comes and sinks back in it's 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 a it's a hard fucking day it was always going to be a hard day but you're here yeah. you showed up you're here you're on the podcast and you're giving it your all Very i proud. had a lot of like realizations about um connections with friends and realizing that I have so many boundaries and like walls up um around being vulnerable with friends Mm -hmm. so which means that I put so much pressure on the person I'm in a relationship with because they literally are the only person that can give me like everything and it's the only person that I'm vulnerable with um which is yeah it's a lot of a lot of pressure and I just Mm -hmm. yeah I had a bit of like a Lots of little moments in therapy where I was just like, this is, this sucks. Like, I need a little cry. And yeah, getting back from the holiday, kind of the whole of the heartbreak stuff kind of like seeped back in massively. Like on my train journey back from the airport, my mask was wet from tears because they just would not stop falling out my eyes. But it's good. The crying's good, right? That's like how we physically process the the emotions, the release. Like we need it to happen. Even if you're like, I have no more tears left to cry. Like leave me alone. Yeah. It was quite overwhelming though. Cause I was like, I felt really good. Like on Sunday, my last day in Croatia. And then like coming back home, I was like, you know, I've got this, I've got this, I can do this. <laughs> and then as soon as I was back, I was like, I don't got this. <laughs> I don't got this. Yeah, like just fuck. another wave. I mean, I do, I have this. Mm-hmm. but it's just there are waves and there are lots of you know hurdles along the way um so I'm just feeling very vulnerable mm-hmm. right now basically because I just opened loads of wounds in therapy this morning yeah and I just feel like there's just a lot of people pulling me in different directions and I'm just mm-hmm. like in the middle like hey I'm you know I'm struggling with getting out of this depression and like I only got broke like my breakup was three weeks ago today like that's not very long ago mm-hmm. um I don't have my best friend like to be there for me right now so it's just really hard mm-hmm. well we we just assume that it's going to be easy and that we've gotten over a hurdle and when we feel good that it's going to be good from now on and it's not like as you said it's waves and we have to accept those waves where there are going to be moments where you feel good and there are going to be moments where you feel low and that's Mm -hmm. you have to ride those waves like that fucking paddle boat and try and get through it because each time you do each time you ride that wave it will get a little bit easier not massive amounts of easy but it will become easier that little hole in your heart will just end up closing up and you'll be able to beat like normal um Mm -hmm. but you just you have to listen to yourself life is overwhelming life is very overwhelming yeah I can imagine right now especially after everything that's going on and Mm -hmm. like big parts of me just want to run away not gonna lie yeah (laughs) shut down run away should I just go and hide in the cupboard (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah that that will be the safe space but you know like 
pushing yourself through these moments of uncomfortability will mean that you you grow as a person and yes. you push past and the fact that you're doing everything so right you it, no one could fault you no one could say you you should be trying harder you're doing all the journaling and all the therapy and all the good things and supporting and also fucking listening to yourself because as much as we talk about communication it communication means nothing if we're not listening to ourselves and what our body wants and what our brain wants and so it's trying to trying to figure out what side you want whether or not you do need a bed day or whether or not you do need to push yourself for work or the Mm -hmm. distraction and only you can make that call (laughs) I'm one of those people that pushes myself to do everything so yeah (laughs) I find it really hard to say when I'm struggling and I find that when I do say that I'm struggling people don't really take me seriously because I always turn up um and I find it really hard to be like decisive about what I want in terms of all of that stuff as well Mm mm-hmm but it's it's a weird one, I think, doing what we do because whenever we do show up and whenever we we are here, like it it is help like it helps because of the topic of what we're doing. Like just sitting here and chatting now is better than sitting and just feeling like oh, I'm so miserable. overwhelmed. I'm just gonna sit here in silence. Yeah, we always do this. Like when it, like especially if we're oh, not sure about a podcast or don't want to make the do, don't want to do this film, and then afterwards, sometimes it just gives us that extra boost of energy in life, and it's really surprising. But it's having to push yourself through that first boundary. It's tough like and and as you said what we do is very taxing you know like we are switched on Mm -hmm. 24 fucking 7 constantly we don't have evenings we don't really have weekends it is constant from our side you know not to like rub the productivity in anyone else's face if you have a job that allows you to switch off like relish in that because you might not and and that can that can be fucking damaging for your mental health and we really need to take that into account that we need to do that we need to make sure that we have I mean we, we set boundaries off. yeah we set boundaries for ourselves you're like evenings big. let's not talk about what was it it was like every morning we would just message each other oh, about yeah. work and we were like yeah no 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 we're that. like let's stop that let's say fucking good morning first and then talk <laughs> yeah. about at least. at least be like hey good morning how are you and then the work stuff at least yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> we will get there. at first we were <laughs> We weren't doing that at all, especially when we had like other jobs and we were like working normally yeah. and then doing come curious like in our evenings and weekends. And it just, it was, it's mm. fucking stressful. It is so yeah. stressful. I think it's just, it's a, it's one of those annoying things in life when like we have just got a new manager and things are starting to happen for us oh, and like yeah. things are getting busier and there are, yeah, there's just a lot of things like happening around the world as well. Like I'm going to a festival at the weekend and like another festival the next weekend and it's just like oh shit now I have to manage like all the new things actually doing things in life and like not doing just work because I'm a very like could just easily just do work person yeah um and not do all the fun stuff I don't know a single person that's gone to a party or going to a festival this year that isn't not just like anxious, but terrified. Like the excitement is is past the excitement because again, we have been out of fucking action for like a year and a half, if not longer. And so going to something big like that, even if you're like, yeah, I'm excited, that excitement can turn into like residual anxiety and just be sitting there freaking you out, even though it's something yeah. that you look forward to. And then you feel guilty for it because you're like, but this is a holiday and I'm really excited. But really you're just like, I'm fucking shitting it. I think I have a lot of anxiety this week, probably because of the festival, probably yeah. because Quarantine Bay is playing there and he's going to yeah. be there. 
that's that's going to be fucking tough. But you're going to have an amazing time. And again, it's going to be another like growth situation, whether or not you have hard moments, yeah. you're still going to mm-hmm. come away from it going like, I fucking did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, you would either be at home feeling like, oh, you know, I should have gone. Like, I'm, I feel left out. All my friends are going to be there. My sister mm-hmm. and my friends are going to be there. And, or you would be there. There will be maybe probably some uncomfortable moments, but you'd be there and you're having all the fun bits as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. May as well turn um, a potential bad situation into something that's positive. You've got to psych yourself up, you know, be yeah. your best cheerleader. Be like, come on, fucking Florence, you can <laughs> oh, do next this. Next week, I'll tell you how it all, all goes. Oh, shit. I actually, <laughs> it's it's going to be, I, I'm really, I'm so proud of you for being able to do this. This is going to be such a hard thing to do. And I feel like you're going to have a fucking great time. And yeah, you're going to have moments where it's going to be hard and you're going to be really sad. But those also, are really important too. This is the first ever festival I've ever been to. I've never know, been to a music festival I, before. I know, Florence. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't even old. know. <laughs> I do, mate, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be fucking magical. I swear to God, it'll be like Disneyland for the first time, and you're like, oh my god, where? I'm just excited to like listen to music and dance and like have a good time. I haven't done that in a long time. It's gonna be like riding a bike. You'll get you'll get in there, get in a crowd and have a moment of like, Whoa, this is weird. And then you'll be like, nah, fuck it. Like, you know, we only live once, Let go, enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I literally just said YOLO, like unironically. <laughs> fuck Whoa. me. Whoa, on man. That note. <laughs> uh, please let us move on. Um, well, this is perfect timing because we have an actual therapist coming to join us on <laughs> this episode. So maybe you'll get some good nuggets of life info. Let's get David on. So he is a sex and dating coach for men and also is the host of the Authentic Man podcast. Oh, yeah. Hello, David. Hi. Hello. Hello. I actually met you. Do you remember? I met you once in, yeah. in the Shush store in London. Yeah, oh, yeah I remember very wow. well that night. Yeah. Dive, dive, what else happened? You're both grinning <laughs> oh, from ear to ear. Unfortunately, like nothing that exciting. I think I'd just gone, I'd met, I met one of my friends there and mm-hmm. he introduced me to you and mm. then uh, we left. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. I love how small the world brief. is though. Um, so David, please tell our curious fuckers a bit about you, what you do and who you are. Mm. I'm a coach mainly, men's coach. I work mainly with men predominantly, but I do work with some women. Um, mm-hmm. And I work with men around oh, dating, dating from a place of authenticity and, and true yes. deep connection. You know, the place that, the mythical place that a lot of people don't believe that men want, whereas I find a lot of men come to me and that's what they really want. Um, I help men a lot of men around their masculinity and kind of stepping into that kind of a healthy, positive masculine expression of themselves, you know, because so many men have got such a a toxic view of masculinity. They don't even want to be masculine. They're like, oh, I don't want to be because I don't want to be doing bad things. So I help them kind of move into a place where they can be masculine men and be loving in the same time. You know, that, that place that we often forget that, you know, men can be really loving and kind and generous to the world. Um, and I help men uh, and couples with with intimacy, and I bring in a lot of the, my tantric learnings into that, and help them just connect on a more deeper level, on a level that's beyond the physical. You know, get them down into that deep soul connection. Um, and I also teach tantric workshops with my partner, also who you guys know. Yeah, we had her on the podcast. Yes, please. Yeah. I was going to say name and shame, but that is not the right expression. 
Name and shame. It was awesome, but I think she came on as Taylor Matched on the podcast. Yes. Mm. That was a while ago. She was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we love her. (laughs) I think it's really interesting coming at what you do from, um, I guess, the world and like the way that we talk about masculinity and even the way that Mm. we talk about masculinity sometimes, which is like toxic masculinity. Like Mm. we need to stamp this out. And it's all, it's like a really negative way um of talking about it and also a very unapproachable way for men to then be like well how do i then you know how do i approach this when you're just shaming me and like pushing me away and saying that i'm toxic um so Mm. i think the work that you do is so important i think everyone on love island could do with a session yeah thank you i feel (laughs) i'd love to work with them (laughs) right That that would be so interesting i i feel like i've been like toxic masculine obsessed at the moment i've had to have a real fucking talk to myself this weekend and be like yo you need to fucking chill because you can't expect everyone to be my own version of perfection and I've had to apologize to a couple of people uh, men in particular especially the guy that I'm seeing at the moment and just be like I'm sorry that I'm on your case all the time it's not fair of me because I'm it's it's like I've already got my back up and I'm expecting to be for him to be toxic because of like his friends and his environment and the way that he thinks and that's not fucking fair so yeah this I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and thank you for doing the work that you do because you know, I try and be like, well, we all try and be as aware as possible, but I think I went too far. Like I jumped off the deep end and I was just like, oh, because you're listening to this type of music that must make you aggressive. And that that was that was a shocking realization for me to have. Oh. Like, I need to take a step motherfucking back. Yeah. How, how, <laughs> how do you, I guess, how do you approach the sort of to- toxic masculinity conversation in general with men? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one that actually because, you know, I've worked with quite a few clients who are really afraid to do anything that could be construed as assertive, too confident, anything that be, could look as like overbearing or anything that could be screwed as like toxic masculinity, right? But what that mm. actually means is that these men are not potent in their life. They're not going for the things they want or let's put it from a dating point of view. You're, you're dating a man, right? And there is certain parts of you that want him to lead. You want him to make decisions. You want him to feel his decisiveness, right? You want him to feel his, his what I like to call kind of that, the his firm consciousness, right? And we're not just talking about penis, right? we're talking about his, his being, feeling firm, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to feel his boundaries. You want to feel his opinions. But if he's scared all the time to be seen as toxic, he's going to hold all that back. He's going to hide. He might even lie, right? And he's going to yeah. be basically being inauthentic to himself, which is going to cause him some internal conflict, but also create conflict around in his life. So a lot of what I talk about with, with men is like, what, you know, what is it you really want? What place is that coming from? You know, because inside of toxic masculinity, a lot of the expression of that is really about getting what, you know, uh, that man wants without care for anyone else, right? Without any love or care for anyone else in the world, right? So when we look at, let's take it to a political level, right? Because politics is easy to see is like, when we're thinking about things like climate change, right? We know that mm. the loving and kind thing to do is to reduce plastic use, to reduce oil and fossil fuel use, right? But actually governments and organizations are just raping the earth again, right? Mm-hmm. They're just taking everything they can take, right? Because they're mm-hmm. not thinking about anyone else apart from themselves and their own greed, right? And then when we take that down to a smaller level to individual men, 
that's men who are like, okay, there's a woman in front of me and I want to take sex from her, right? They approach with this, I want to take sex from her. Mm-hmm. Whereas I talk to men as like, okay, you wanna, you've met a woman, you want to get to know her, maybe you want to sleep with her. But actually, how can you bring your loving heart into this, right? And come from that place about, from a place of wanting to connect deeply, to be curious, to understand them, to, you know, take them on a, a kind of experience, right? So when you start coming at things from that point of view, it's like, oh, wait, I can bring love and kindness and generosity and balance and playfulness into this. I'm not taking anything. I'm co-creating experience with somebody. And that shifts, right? You can bring leadership into that. You can bring decisiveness into that, but it shifts it from being toxic into being what I like to call kind of healthy and loving masculinity. Mm, yeah. How do, how do men like get there in the first place though? Like how do they start that? journey to be like okay I want to be more conscious I want to be more aware like because I think I'm just thinking about sort of I guess this has come up a lot in like my thinking about men recently because of watching Love Island and seeing the behavior that is projected there and I'm like okay this this is a large amount of men in our society that sort of act like this and I think I've kind of coming at it from a point of view where I'm just left a very communicative relationship and I'm like I'm scared of who I'm going to meet in the future because I'm like but what if you know they aren't good at communicating what if they're they aren't conscious that what if they're not aware like how am I supposed to find men like this I think this is the the golden question that women come to me for right and I always start start with yourself right because you, when you cultivate this inside yourself and in your life, right? So, you know, you cultivate this level of consciousness and awareness and, you know, getting to know yourself, your emotions, your feelings, what's what's going on for you, what triggers you, right? You spend the time to learn about those things for yourself, right? And then we start to express that out into the world. That might be, you know, you guys have this podcast and it's about raising people's consciousness when it comes to Mm. sex and sexuality, right? That's an expression of who you are. So anyone that's going to meet you is going to be coming to contact with that expression. So they're going to feel that. They're going to be like, oh, wow, there's this expression of consciousness through the the work. And then it's going to come through maybe how you, you know, you decide to exercise. Maybe instead of, you know, punishing yourself through Iron Man, you you find yourself some yin yoga, right? And that's what you do. So when we start to become more aware of our own being, our own kind of past, our own trauma, um, our own insecurities, right? Which is a big one for, for both men and women. We start mm. to express that out into the world. Now, when we look at something like Love Island, the biggest problem is, is a lot of these men, they're trying to live up to, right? What they've been told men need to be right yeah and, and and that force is great like it's a big force because there's so much that we see in the media and television and movies that says to be a man you need to be six foot tall you need to have massive pecs you need to be amazing with women you have to have a massive penis you need to have slept with a hundred plus women women need to throw themselves at you you right you need to make loads of money you need to be really successful you need to have a good mm-hmm. status you need to have a nice house now a lot of men are like because of their own insecurities about themselves and wanting to be seen and wanting to be meaningful and important. They're like, well, that's what I need to aspire to. So that's what I need to aim for. But in fact, it goes in conflict with their inner being because really they don't want to be like that, right? Because they can feel for themselves like I'm playing a role here instead of looking at who my authentic self is. The hard thing is, is that society has such a, a, a stranglehold on how men should be it takes a, a strong man or a man who's going through some pain, you know, that might be mental health issues, yeah. that might be physical pain, to see 
doing this and trying to live up to this doesn't work. I want another direction. Yeah, that's so incredible. My brain, I'm like, how do I even say after words? <laughs> ah, amazing. So today we were going to talk about um, sex in long-term relationships and how we keep things kind of spicy, as Cosmopolitan would say. <laughs> how do we spice things up in a long-term relationship? I don't. Do you, you work with a lot of couples to create intimacy and keep intimacy alive in their relationship. Does this... Actually, do do the things that we were just talking about with men, toxic masculinity, like being conscious, aware, does that coincide with how sex then is in a long-term relationship? Yeah, there's definitely similarities, right? Because one of the big problems is, is you know, a lot of women come to my partner, as I said, and they're like, you know, I want to do this work. I want to be more conscious. I want to have better sex. I want to have more connected sex. And the man I'm with doesn't want to go on this journey, right? Mm. And often when you start digging in, you know, speaking to the man, it's that he has fears, he has concerns, he doesn't understand. So this is where a lot of, I think one of the biggest problems when it comes to long-term relationships and sex is communication. We don't communicate <laughs> properly. We don't say what it is that we desire. Yeah. And we don't, on top of that, we don't listen to what our partner says they desire as well. And also in the moments where we are, you know, having some sort of heated conflict or anything like that, we don't stop to think, we don't stop to replay things back to each other, right? So I think a lot of what happens is we have an argument and we don't finish it, we don't resolve it, we just kind of like, okay, I don't want to talk about that again. I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's painful. But if we do some practices where we reflect back, like I, I can hear, right, from what you're saying that you're very angry, right? That I didn't do the washing up and you feel that you feel unappreciated and unloved, right? Mm. Yes, I understand that. And then other partner goes, yes, that's, that's how I feel. Got it, I fully understand that. But a lot of the times what happens is someone shouts about not doing the washing up and then the other person goes, oh, I did the washing up yesterday. And then the other person's like, oh, but you only did it once yesterday. And before you know it, we've got an escalating argument that never mm -hmm. really resolves itself, right? But when yeah. we reflect black, we feel heard, we feel understood, we feel seen. And when we start to bring this level of communication and awareness into our relationship at different levels as well as sexually, right? We start to come closer together, have a deeper understanding. And then when we're on the, on the same wavelength, we can start doing practices that, you know, start to rekindle or redirect the energy back into the, into the bedroom. Mm. I saw actually on um, your partner Orsa's Instagram that you guys in your relationship have, um, was it like weekly meetups where you sit on the cushions on the floor and you like have tea and you talk about all the things that are like going on in your relationship? I saw that and I was just like, that is what we all need to do the dream relationship oh my days <laughs> how does that work how do you get to a stage where you are so open with communication and where do people start if they want to start communicating more in their relationships i think an easy place to start is start with the things that you really like one of the things we do in relationship is that after a while we stop talking we stop actually saying what we really love about our partners or what we really love that they do right yeah so that the problem is is when we say oh we don't communicate often people take that as oh my god i'm not this i don't hear i don't say all the bad things or i'm not hearing all the bad things we get scared right so start with you know talking about the good things like what's going really well what you really love about your partner you know maybe mm. in the morning they hug you and you go oh, i really love it when you hug me in the morning right mm. something as small as that it starts to communication going right um 
and to the, the 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 relationship learnings we call it right so we have a monthly yeah. check-in where we sit down and it's a bit of a ritual now you know we get tea out we got crystals we like incense we meditate sometimes we even like we'll dance there'll be tears but we share oh. in those times right and we just ask each other there's quite a few questions we've got now but the basic questions that, that we started off with yeah. was what's going well right what's not going well what do we want to change what do we want more of right and over the month yes there's anything that comes up for you through the month you can add them into any of those boxes if we talk about it organically through the month we can remove it from that but we have our own separate note that we keep so when we come together we have that conversation and it can feel quite scary right especially that quest that second question what's not going well right yeah. like you're yeah. like am i going to push this person away are they going to not like me if i say this or an uncomfortable conversation mm. like if you're in a nice safe space you don't really yeah, want to relationship make it negative end. yeah yeah. Maybe, I think yeah. with a lot of communication and relationships, people don't say things because they're like, well, if I let them know that, then my, my partner's going to leave me. Yeah, or like mm, start mm. an argument or like ruin the moment. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that if you avoid arguments in your relationship, has anyone, if, have either of you had an experience where you've been in a relationship and, and you spend a lot of your energy avoiding arguments? Yes, Absolutely I not. hate confrontation. <laughs> so I avoid arguments on all costs with everyone in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that lead to for you um being a massive pushover and having to step down and step back and feel like I'm kind of alone in my um yeah and what I want mm. and how else does that make you feel inside the relationship Oh, this is like a therapy session. Mm. So yeah, I've got, <laughs> the coaching hat slipped on real quick. <laughs> <laughs> How does that make me feel in a relationship? Unheard, like no, like mm. not listened to. Right. So avoiding avoiding conflict leads to feeling unheard, mm. right? So, you know, avoiding having the conversations you need to have leave you feeling unheard, which you know feels slightly obvious. So if yeah. you were to say what it is that's you know there for you what's going on for you right and that was accepted how would you feel then i feel great if someone just heard me and accepted what I <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking like this i'm thinking back to my like four and a half year relationship when i'm thinking about mm. this mm. because i actually had like a really i really tried to communicate in that relationship and mm. whenever i did it was always sort of thrown back in my face um mm. with I'd be like, we're not having, you know, I'm not happy with the amount of sex that we're having. Like, I feel like I'm not desired or all of this. And then it would be like, well, you know, like you don't keep the house clean. You're really untidy. You leave things out. And then I would just feel like, oh, okay. So like, this is all my fault. And then I would never bring things up again because I knew that I would just be like blamed for things if I mm -hmm. then questioned things. That's fucked. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, that is messed up. And it's it's defense, right? Someone is defensive, they feel attacked, right? Is yeah. what happens often when people bring up things. So there's a few ways in which we can try and word things even a bit differently, right? Is take ownership is like, in say of, instead of saying, for instance, I don't feel desired, it's just like how you would like to feel, not how you don't feel. Because mm. that gives someone some space, right? Mm -hmm. Inside of that, that's not an attack, that's an invitation. Yeah. You know, if you're like, I would like to feel, I would like us to feel, I would like to feel, you know, really sexy and I'd like to feel really connected with you. 
and you know things like that and say you know what how do you feel how do you feel that we could do that or do more of that now that's an invitation for someone to go ah oh, well you know or you can even ask on the back of that would you like to feel that way as well yeah oh my and then God, that that's... gives them space yeah why have i never thought of that before either <laughs> this is why he's been doing this podcast for- <laughs> yeah. it makes sense like, i think so, yeah we both felt like that in our past relationships and yeah the mm. easiest thing to say is you're not doing this for me and i want this and i don't feel like this rather than that whole you know the positive side of things it does paint yeah. a whole different spin on it it's such a simple move but like changes everything my mind is blown <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> did we did we um did we get to the root of that first question which was how do we spice things up in a long-term mm. relationship? Yeah, yeah. I'll, um so I think there's two ways I like to look at this, right? Mm. One is a relationship is an entity, is like a third entity. If you're in a relationship, if we can start treating our relationship as a third entity which we have to give energy to, right? Mm-hmm. We are also part of that relationship so we have to make sure that we get enough energy right but when we start to look at that and that as a third entity it's like oh that's a third thing like a we'll call it the baby right (laughs) it's an easier way to pull it right because a baby we know we have a baby together it needs energy it needs time it needs nurturing right and a relationship is like that and what happens after a long time is we forget that we need to nurture at the beginning it's easy to do right because it's like oh it's exciting it's fun oh you're exciting you're fun i've never touched your toe before let me touch your toe oh that feels cool (laughs) kind of thing right (laughs) you know let's spank you a little bit oh you like that oh great you like to be caressed and massaged (laughs) and then we've done that like five times and then we go oh well we know what that feels like Oh, I, are you on? I don't need to have that experience because I know, right? And mm-hmm. this is one of the biggest kind of fiefs of um, spice in relationship is the idea that we know. We know what our partner's like. We know what they like. We know how they like to be touched because we yeah. stop exploring. We stop coming them from a, a new point of view. We stop seducing them, right? Yeah, and, and you start repeating all the things that you just think that they like and then it just becomes like a machine when you're mm, in the bedroom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you just become... And I, I think, you know, I, I, like I said, I work with men predominantly. And this is something I uncover a lot with men, right? It's because often, you know, there's that, you know, as we've talked about the kind of the, the, the masculine imprint we get from society, you know, it teaches men to be process driven and orderly and all these type of things, right? And it's like, dude, you need to bring some of that feminine energy into your being that's spontaneous, that's got flow to it, that's trying new things, that's exploring, that's in the moment, right? Yeah. So it's like, how can we start doing different things, try new things, talk about our desires, new desires that have come up, because that's another thing is like- Things change. Yes, (laughs) we are ever changing beings, right? What Mm -hmm. we enjoyed yesterday and last year might have changed by the the year afterwards. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was talking to my friend the other day and she was saying that she, the sex that she has with her partner, she always used to love a bit of fingering. And like, mm-hmm. that was like something that really sort of warmed her up. And it was like what they always did. She was like, yeah, you know, like the moment, like, you know, he just, he does the the fingering. He's like, she was like, actually, I don't, I'm not really into that anymore. It's not like warming me up in the same way. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, you know, like tell him, maybe mm-hmm. tell him that you're not into the fingering at the moment. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess I'll just I'll just tell him that I'm not into the fingering. I feel like that's even harder, though, when you have that established connection, when it has worked before, and then all of a sudden... Exactly. ...you need to change something in your relationship that's worked for a long time. That's It's scarier rather than bringing yeah. something new in. 
And I think people get offended as well if you're suddenly like, that thing that you do, yeah, I'm not that into it. Yeah, and then they're like, do wait, have you never, like, have you never been, have I been doing that the, this whole time and you didn't enjoy it? Yeah, the, the embarrassment, the shame, like, I should have known. It's like, no, you definitely <laughs> shouldn't have known. Bodies change. We yeah, we definitely forget yeah. that more. It's crazy. And we and we sometimes feel like, oh my god, have you been lying to me this whole time? Mm-hmm. You haven't yeah. liked it. I've been doing it, and then we start feeling shame. We're like, oh, I feel bad. I shouldn't have been doing that. Like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm bad. I'm wrong. Or we go the other way yeah. and get angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the sh- the shame the shame curtain like comes down mm. quite easily when it comes to sex because as soon as we're like oh we did something wrong it's like oh fuck like oh, I, I knew that that was I should have been ashamed of doing that in the first place um mm. which makes it really hard to talk about basically mm-hmm. David do you have any um reoccurring problems that people come to you with or questions that people come to you with regardless of gender is there something that you're always answering and always coming across you know, one of the most common ones is like, okay, you know, we don't have sex anymore in our relationship. That's such a common one, mm-hmm. such a common one. Okay, yeah. we're not having sex anymore. We used to have really great sex and then it kind of dried up and you're like, you know, what happened? Oh, I don't know. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't try or, or you know, the other way around, you know, it's usually, you know, it used to happen and now we don't. That's a really common one. That's a very common one. And, mm. you know, the, the what I see most commonly in that is, is a bit like what we just talked about. They've just been doing the same thing for five, mm-hmm. ten years, mm-hmm. and no one has thought to talk about it. And they have that shame, right? We have, you yeah. know, we can't ignore the societal shame that we are given that is pressured onto us around sex, right? We've grown up, you know, basically like I grew up in a, a Christian household. My mum is a good Christian Jamaican woman. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I don't think she's listened to an episode of my podcast. Um, <laughs> you know. We never talked about sex. Sex was something yeah. you only did when you got married. So mm. imagine you, no one ever taught you to talk about something and then you're thrust into a relationship. Like it takes years to unpack some of this. And, and a lot of the time yeah. we never bother to start to look at, you know, what's sitting in our kind of sexual shadow? What's the things we're afraid to talk about? And when it comes to relationship, if we don't actively talk about sex, like as something as a, you know, in the same way that we would probably talk about trying new food you know mm-hmm. you would actively in your relationship go ah oh, you know we've had a lot of pasta in the last week you know <laughs> i know we've been at home a lot we had yeah. a lot of pasta like could we <laughs> try having some i don't know some curry would you like to try some curry yeah we could try some curry i haven't had curry for a long time <laughs> you know it's that sort of 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 attitude instead of being like oh we haven't had any pasta i can't well we've had pasta a lot but i can't talk to him about pasta because if I tell him I don't want the pasta anymore, then- He's gonna be really offended. He's gonna be really offended. You see, we take it very personally, but it's mm-hmm. like, we flow and we ebb. So it's it's a case of like, how do we re-energize and bring kind of uh, sex back in? Um, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is spontaneous sex. We all think that sex should mm. be spontaneous. How do you bring up the, those kind of things like, oh, I wanna change this, or like, can we try this in a positive way without shaming our partner and without like saying, you're doing that wrong? Well, I think, again, it's to start with, um, what is it you, you, you know, you like? Start by talking about that. Like I really enjoy, um, like I like to say to, to my clients is, a really good time to kind of, not review sex, but kind of to talk about it is after you've had it. You know, yes. to say I really loved talk. it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really beautiful. It's funny. It's a it's yeah. a really beautiful part of kind of 
the the tantric um, lovemaking stages. One of them is kind of this after conversation where you talk about the beautiful things that you enjoyed in the lovemaking, right? Yeah. So it's a great way to talk and be like, I really loved when you did this or you did that or you did this because sometimes we don't even realize what it is when we're with our partner, what the little things that we did that they really enjoyed, right? Mm -hmm. And we all want our part, we all want to please our partners more, right? So when we hear those things, we're like, awesome, great. So we'll do more of those things, right? Yeah. Now, in the same conversation, not necessarily in the same conversation, right, is, is saying, oh, I really love those things. And actually, my body isn't enjoying that, that thing so much anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And it just simply is like, oh, my body's not enjoying that so much anymore. And yeah. also, it's like I have a lightness to it as well when we say it. Because when we go into something with the mentality of, oh my God, shit, if I say this, they're going to go fucking mad. They're going to be really upset. <laughs> they're going to be offended. Everything comes out in your words, right? All that emotion, all that feeling comes out in your words. So it's almost like you're waiting for their response to be in line with what you think, right? Yeah. And we're amazing at finding a pattern even when it's not there. Like someone might go, oh, okay, really? And they'll be like, oh my God, we've offended them. They didn't say very much. And actually bring more relaxed energy to the conversation. It's just, you know, knowing that you're just expressing your likes and your dislikes and that's okay, right? Yeah. And if someone does kind of come back and say, oh, you know, oh, I thought you used to like that. And you say, yeah. And I used to, and I may do again, but actually what I'm feeling for is, and then we put something in, in place, what we'd like to try. Mm. I feel like when people talk about spicing up sex lives and stuff like that, people always go like to BDSM or to like role play. And that scares people. Yeah. It scares <laughs> people away from like spicing things up. Cause they're like, well, I'm not, you know, not really into BDSM stuff and I'm, Definitely am not good at acting, so. <laughs> it could be light, you know, it doesn't have to be a, like, let's buy a whole new dungeon. Like, it could just be like, oh, would you like a little finger on your bum hole? Doesn't have to go in, could just be placed on your bum hole. That's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is nice, isn't it? Yeah. How do you, yeah, how, how do you, like, spice up vanilla sex? Like, if you are just, like, someone that doesn't like pain or doesn't really care for role play, like, what mm. is it that you can bring into sex for the vanillas? Mm -hmm. I'm like that, you know. I'm not really into BDSM and role play and mm. things like that. And, you know, I've never thought I'm into vanilla sex. It doesn't feel like I'm into vanilla sex. But, it feels wrong you know, saying, <laughs> like, I am into Yeah, it does. Yeah. I don't There's want to a lot shame. Of there's a lot yeah. of vanilla sex judgment in the world. Yeah, there there is. is. Yeah, which we need to mm. abolish because vanilla sex isn't like, like you know, not as exciting as BDSM or kink. It's like yeah. they, they are mm. two very different forms of sex and they are both like, they both need to be respected. <sighs> and there's both a lot of like pros and cons to both of them is, yeah. I feel like people who are into vanilla sex are like, oh, I'll be cool. Or like, this is the next level if mm. I'm into kink. And it's like, people are just, yeah. it's just not into it. If you're not into into it why are you forcing it um yeah that, my it, best sexual experiences have been very very vanilla yeah mm. comfortable mm. I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> actually i just i just thought of something that would be really good to explore if you're into vanilla sex just like really slow sex mm. yes <laughs> yes like uh, you oh, almost God, took the guys. words out of my mouth that would be my my first thing to go to is like mm. really slow down like to the point yeah. where because it's, it's something, speed is something we all can 
have some control of, right, when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. If we, we bring a level of consciousness, like we were speaking about before, we can bring in some, we can change the speed, we can vary the speed as well. And again, it's, you can keep it inside the vanilla and so forth. And then even tiny things like music. Do you want to play around with playing music or not playing mm. music, right? Where yeah. we have sex in our homes or outdoors, right? If you, you, know, you want to keep it in the home. And the bed is, I know the bed is the most, it's the most, it's the easiest place to have sex, right? It's the most comfortable as well, yeah, right? I fucking yeah. love the bed. <laughs> the bed's very comfy. I love the bed. It's great. But I mean, even something like lube or um, mm. sex toys, a lot of people don't, introduce sex toys or even just like booking a hotel room so you can go and enjoy it and sex isn't necessarily on the cards the pressure of sex can be quite Mm. like too much I feel like we we've both experienced that Florence where we've put pressure on the sex on our own sex lives on our partners and then that's caused issues and conflict and and yeah I mean I think the best advice I had was when I went to see a sex therapist with my last partner and and she was like right well for a week don't have sex you're not allowed to have sex it's off the cards and we were so fucking horny for each other I was shocked (laughs) I was so shocked he was you know he was like really into it he's like yeah I'm not worried that I'm gonna not fuck you right or not give you what you want because sex isn't there anymore and we almost caved because we were that horny this is mad wow that's beautiful it's beautiful R.I.P. Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) I think some people as well fear getting into relationships because there is such a stereotype that in a long-term relationship, sex will phase out and will get bad. Why do we fear this so much? I'm terrified of monogamy for that very reason. Mm. I've just had like a mind-blowing moment. Just like, is that why? That would make a hell of a no, lot no. of sense because I don't want to have yeah. uh, like the fit. Okay, please teach me, David. I need your words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work with a few clients, a few a few men who come to me with this thing. And, you know, I have nothing against uh, polyamory, open relating, ethical non-monogamy. I think it's a great structure for, for many people. But... I think one of the, the things when it comes to the fear around long-term relationships and, and sex is that we get told so much that's how it is. Yes. Like everywhere you go, mm-hmm. you watch movies, you watch TV, your parents will tell you, your uncles, your aunts, your older friends, everyone is always telling you, ah, uh, you know, in long-term relationships, sex gets boring. The sex yeah. dies. always telling you. Always. Yeah. The ball and chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the language, right? The language we use so. around relationships. Mm. it's so negative mm. well like Super even like heavy. me old man me old lady is a bit like what are they old <laughs> yeah. i guess how how do you differentiate between like wanting an open relationship and being scared of monogamy yeah like is that just like mm. a deep dive into therapy and to go into the psyche <laughs> and be like oh i actually want monogamy but i just want to be able to fuck like rabbits until <laughs> i die i would say when you are in, you know, try both, right? Try things, right? We're living, we're living beings. You go, go try life, you know, go try out life and see what works for you, right? But it's coming up against what comes up. Is it fear? Because most of our fears are really unfounded, right? For the most part, right? Other than our kind of primal yeah. fears. A lot of them are things we've learned. So if you're in a Muggles relationship, you're like, oh my God, the sex is going to get boring. That's, that's your fear. And then you have to mm-hmm. ask yourself a sim- really simple question. Is that true? 
is that is what is that the only option right and then the the you know can follow up with is like okay how could i focus on what i would love and what would i love is to have great endlessly like various sex with my partner that goes to new depths for instance that might be something yeah. you would really love and you go okay how can i do that what do i need to do what do i need to do what do i need to do right now today to start on this journey of having that yeah because though like I said, with, when we look at, say, uh, being polyamorous, it's easy to think, okay, having variety is easy because we have a variety of human bodies, right? Whereas if you're with one person, you can bring a variety of energy into your relationship. You can take on new personas. You can play around with, you know, leading and surrendering. You know, you mm. can play around with, you know, if we comes down to, you know, different polarities, we can play around. But what it takes, um, in my experience, right, is, is to go deeper, with one person, right? And that can be scary for us because it means deeper intimacy. And a lot of us really, we are afraid of intimacy because, you know, we're scared of being seen, we're scared of being hurt and things like that. Vulnerability. But exactly, the vulnerability side of things. So it's to kind of look at yourself, right? And look at where, am I taking the easy option out? Right, because mm. we live in a society where we can always take an easy option out when it comes to relationships and dating. It's like where I come across yeah. clients who are afraid of commitment. They're like, oh, commitment's not for me, blah, 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 blah. And then we talk and then we realize that actually they've just never been in a relationship where they could feel that they were free in the relationship to be themselves. What would you say to people that are just like, I don't want a relationship? That's, that's their prerogative, really, you know? And again, if, if it kind of comes to me, it's like, why? Why don't you want a relationship? What is mm. there? Is it, what do you think is possible for you inside a relationship or what do you assume is what relationships are like um and then I often I've done this with, with quite a few clients is when they're like I don't want a relationship relationships are all bad I lose my freedom I feel trapped you know all it is is conflict and stress blah 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 and I go okay mm. cool I want you to take a look in your life anyone you know friends or family and think about their relationship is there anyone's relationship you'd like to look of or you think okay what you would like to take from these different relationships right and then maybe come back to me and go, okay, so there's my uncle. I really love how, you know, they're playful and they're fun together. And there's my friend, Joe. And Joe, he, him and his, you know, girlfriend, they're always having a lot of sex and this, this and this. And you end up with the characteristics of what your relationship would you like it to be like. And go, if you had a relationship like that, would you be happy? Would you feel good? And then usually mm -hmm. people are like, yeah, yeah, I'd love that. And you go, well, how can you create this? Because often we have this negative assumption that we go to very quickly because of some past experience. Right? Yeah. And it's to yeah. see that we get to create our experience in life. And that includes relationships. Not all relationships are the same. If you've had bad experiences before, we can work through why you're recreating that and we start to make different decisions and different choices. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like um, with with all my breakup stuff, I've, I've kind of opened up about like parts parts of the reasons and stuff and one of them was that my partner didn't want a relationship so it got to a point where I was like I can't be in a relationship with someone that doesn't want to be in a relationship mm -hmm. um but the amount of people that have got in touch with me afterwards saying I've been in, in exactly the same situation then makes me think like wait how come everyone's in a relationship with people that don't want to be in a relationship because if surely they didn't want to be in a relationship they wouldn't be in a relationship at all Oh my God, I feel mm. like that's me. Like, I feel like I'm in that moment where like I'm in a relationship and I don't want to have a boyfriend or like I don't want to have that right But you now. like all the nice things of the relationship. Yeah, right? It's hypocritical, <laughs> surely. Like, I, I am that person. 
I'm like, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I don't. I don't want to be boyfriend and girlfriend. No, like I'm scared of that term. I almost feel like mm. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of like, is it? It's too soon. I, I really want to be like a powerful single woman, and I can't be if I have a boyfriend. You know, there's a, there's, a, I know, I know. I'm like, I'm sitting here like, oh my God, I need to write this down. Like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that, that is fascinating because a lot of people, you're right, a lot of people are in relationships that are literally, basically the epitome of boyfriend, girlfriend. They are literally yeah. girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whichever terminology you use, they are relationships yet. Like, mm. what is it about that phrase? What is it about being like as well because it's like the opposite side um relationships are seen as like uh success statuses so why is it that i'm trying to shy away from it why do people shy away like why they don't want to get in there is it just because of past trauma and fear it's the meaning isn't it say the word relationship boyfriend girlfriend if you start thinking about the first words that come to you or the emotions that come to you right that's that's the indicator that's the meaning you you give to to those things right because Ultimately, for me, and I was just, I was the same, right? I I probably go back seven, eight years ago, right? And I mm-hmm. thought relationships were the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. They never worked. They're full of stress. You know, um, the women I I believed all women were just like full of conflict and didn't want me to be free and blah 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 and all those type of standard kind of tropey yeah. things that we hear from men. And. It wasn't start. I started to really unpack through, you know, through coaching and then later on through therapy, what relationship meant to me. It was this heavy term and like I had a lot of negative connotations towards it. Now, we can just use a different word. You can call it partnership, for instance. How about partnership? Now that sounds like a nice word, right? Mm, yeah, You're in partnership. It it's a two-way thing of two people coming together or union. Union's a really nice word. Yeah. We come into mm-hmm. union together, right? Or... You know, it's like boyfriend and girlfriend is a, is a is another one, right? Because it's just like we feel this almost like we're locked into something. You know, I've heard mm. a lot of a lot of people relate to boyfriend, girlfriend like a prison. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and we were saying earlier, right? We are saying some of the terms, you know, about um, ball and chain and things like that. It's a lot about, you know, being locked in. So sometimes yeah. we just need to shift how we view certain terms. It's not the entity, the actual thing that we, we don't like. Like we want to be in union with another human being who we we care for, who cares for us, and we enjoy the intimacy and so forth. Those things we feel comfortable with a lot of the time. But yeah. it's the the word we label it with is actually it's the label that causes us more stress and pain than anything. Yeah, yes. like when you said that, it's like what, what the term boyfriend brings up, like I immediately like eyes watered. I was like, I just feel like pain and like length and heart heartbreak like long-term heartbreak of of feeling you know undesired and just like Mm -hmm. almost like knowing that boyfriend means it's gonna go to shit which is a horrible Mm -hmm. feeling to like a horrible thought to have because it's not true I I can't predict the future I can't see what it's gonna be like it's just all based on past trauma right yeah a lot of people feel trapped I think by the word relationship the word Mm. boyfriend yeah. Even more so, wife and husband. That scares me even more. Mm. <laughs> I'm like terrified of that. that I, I remember saying to my last partner, "If you ever propose to me, I will leave you." Like the opposite <laughs> direction, because I'd be, because like, I'm like, well, then you clearly don't understand me and know what I want. But I think it's just fear. It's just the idea of being married to mm. someone is like even more, in my eyes, in my opinion, even more of a trap, yeah. which is 
really fucked up. That's not that's not cool, man. It's supposed to be a beautiful, nice thing. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do tainted. we redefine? How do we redefine this? Because mm-hmm. I think everyone's going to come into situations where one person in the relationship wants a label and one doesn't, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe both people don't want the label, but there's going to be other people in their lives that label them. Yeah. So we're always like, going to come across the fear, the fear wall. Like, how do we? Yeah, what do we what do we do with that? How do we change the way we look at these labels? Mm-mm. And I, you know, like you read, you know, when I think of the word, not necessarily so much now, it has a lot less charge to me than it used to. Marriage used to be like, oh my God, I'm with someone and they talk about marriage. Mm-hmm. I Can I breathe? I'm not sure if I can breathe. Yeah. I can't mm. listen. I want to just run out the door. It used to be like that for me. Um, and I started to challenge that and start to look at like, okay, marriage. Like, what is marriage? Marriage is like a... Uh, a commitment to each other, right? It also happens to be a, a, a document, a legally binding document, but let's put that to one side because, you know, it's a commitment to one another. Yeah. Okay, a commitment of what? Commitment of love, you know? And you get to design what your marriage is like. You get to design, it's your choice. No one else gets to choose, you get to choose. And when I start to think about that, um, it's like, okay, so I could be in a marriage where, oh, we could be swingers, we could go to sex parties. That's still a marriage. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I like the sound of that. Yeah, and I'm in a marriage where I can go on holiday on my own, maybe for two weeks if I fancy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I get to just use that as well. And we start to go, wait a minute. Oh, I start to lose some of the charge here. It starts to remove some of those those fears because the feeling of feeling trapped and suffocated, right, wasn't our own thoughts really, wasn't our own conclusions. It's the one we've been told so often through, you know, like I said, it's so many drilled into us yeah yeah that when you get married my dad said this to me once oh god yeah he was he said to me not that long ago right and uh, my parents have never been together my dad has never been married he's got five children mm. right mm-hmm. and he was like yeah when people get married they get boring <laughs> and i'm and i remember hearing that and being like mm, wow yeah like as, as a negative assumption another negative thought you would never get married if you meant if it, to you yeah. it meant becoming boring. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I started to asking questions. I was like, what about this person? You know, they're quite cool. They're quite fun. And he was like, mm. and he was resistant to wanting to even acknowledge that, right? <laughs> because we want to yeah. hold on to our beliefs, right? So we have yeah. to first, a lot of it, we have to be like, am I willing to let go of this belief? Am I willing to let go? Am I willing to change this belief, right? And then yeah. we have to investigate that belief, where it come from maybe, but also alternative beliefs that we would like to bring in. Like, okay, I want to believe that marriage can be fun and exciting um, and interesting and full of great sex. And a bit like what I said earlier is like, start going, okay, do is there relationships around? Like, are there people I know who are married who are super cool and fun? Like, can I think of some celebrities who I think their marriage looks like this? Because then we start to break down our kind of internal kind of barriers and fears for ourselves. And one of the things that I do personally, and this is just, I do a lot of breath work these days. Mm. And I do lots of um, just like deep breathing when I realize that I come up against something that causes a reaction in my body, right? So talking about having babies, talking about marriage for many years brought a very, very strong physical reaction to my body, right? And I noticed that what happened is I stopped breathing. I couldn't think properly. I started to only think of my fearful thoughts that are in my head. And I stopped being able to feel into my partner who was in front of me often when we were having these conversations. So mm-hmm. I learned a great technique from a book that I read and it was just about breathing, breathing very deeply, feeling the soles of my feet, tuning into my senses. 
and it allows me to dissipate that those those kind of bodily sensations when they come out. I like, you know, and I find that that's helped me so much over the last three years. It's a simple practice. It's like you know, I do this in arguments as well. It's like okay, I'm in an argument. I'm feeling like I can't process what's happening because I'm just stuck in my fearful thoughts. Breathe deeply. <sighs> Feel the ground and like I'm saying yeah. to myself, and it brings me back into being present to what's happening to the connection I have. Um, so, you know, some of that somatic work can, can really help as well. Mm, that's yeah, such meditation. A, yeah, mm. grounding. That's such an incredible point, I think, that we need to end on. Um, yeah, this was, was just, such a beautiful conversation. I honestly did not want it to end. And I'm just like, I just <laughs> yeah. could listen to you all day with your nice calming voice. <laughs> You're so your insightful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> of course, if if anybody else wants to get in touch with you, have a coaching session, like where mm. can we find you? How do we uh, get a hold of you? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me usually hanging out on Instagram uh, at the authentic man underscore. Um, that's probably the, you know, one of the best places to get me. You can question, ask me questions and watch my videos and stuff like that. I've also got my podcasts, The Authentic yeah. Man with David Chambers. There's like almost like 90 plus episodes of me talking about Amazing. various things. Um, Amazing. So and the, and podcasts are like like free therapy sessions, aren't they? Like Florence mm. is knee deep in podcast therapy sessions oh, right now. Oh my God. During my, like this breakup, it's been three weeks. I have been like, podcasts have been my savior. If I'm ever mm. like at a really low moment and I need some reassurance to, if I, if I ever feel like, overwhelmed with like why why did this happen I don't understand it put in a podcast which is relevant obviously mm-hmm. and um then I'm like okay cool I can breathe I, like just listening to other people's experiences mm-hmm. and just someone saying to me well not to me but on the podcast um <laughs> someone saying there doesn't have to be a why some things mm-hmm. are just meant to happen mm-hmm. like yeah. you 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 can feel it if it's meant to happen you can feel it I was like <sighs> Okay, cool. Can breathe now. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So well, hopefully everyone go and find um, David's podcast. Have a listen. Yeah. Click into that knowledge. It's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, David, for coming on. It has been so insightful and such an amazing conversation. Yeah, I cannot oh, wait no, to, thank you. to bring what you've taught me into like into this new relationship that I'm experiencing. I even said the word relationship. Oh my God. <gasps> oh my God. Um, so thank you. Thank you. It's definitely given me a lot to think about. So yeah, thank yeah. you very much. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've been, you know, I've been keenly following you guys for quite a while. It's been quite an inspiration for me. Oh, I love this. And uh, thank you, our curious fuckers, for having a listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have, of course, please share it to everyone and anyone yes. that might benefit from it because that's how we spread the everyone joy. Yeah, to everyone, everyone. As well as rate, review it, do the five-star thing on iTunes because it actually helps us get into the charts. Is that what it's called? The podcast? Yeah. If you Charty rate boys. and review us, more people can hear this. So. Yeah. And of course, if you are watching this on YouTube, nice. But if you do want to see our beautiful faces and of course see David's beautiful face, you can watch it on YouTube, have it playing in the background or alternatively listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for your commute to work. Because, you know, why wouldn't you want to listen to our voices all day, every day? Mm. Yeah. What else do we need to say? Instagram. (laughs) Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Florence Bark, Read Amber Eggs and at Come Curious. Mm, and we will uh, and see we'll you, next you next 
Oh, we will hear you next week. <laughs> you will see you next Thursday, Curious <laughs> Love you Bye. all. Bye. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.